Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 35. Psalm 35. Now I hope that at each place this morning you have a small piece of paper where you can keep track of the traits of David that we're learning about and it doesn't become just an overwhelming number of things that you lose track of. We'll be starting with number 33 because we've covered 32 so far and you have a homework assignment to go home and put in the first 32. That was the secretary's suggestion, though I was going to have them all filled in for you. We want to learn about David. We have started off this morning by considering Acts chapter 15, that we Gentiles here 2,000 years later than the, Old, the New Testament and 3,000 years after David are part of the tabernacle of David. And it's a great privilege to be part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ and have the son of David reigning over us. Now, David is the man after God's own heart, as our brother Chris prayed. And we want to have a life and a heart and thoughts like David so that we can be after God's own heart as well. The one we want to start off with today is he loved even his enemies. So the four lines that you have there for number 33, loved even his enemies. David loved his enemies. And should it surprise us, the son of David taught us to love our enemies, because David had given us a good example of doing just that. Jesus taught it in Matthew chapter 5 that to be perfect with God is to love our enemies. God sends his rain and his sunshine on the evil and the good, and we are to follow that example by loving our enemies. If we just love those that love us, what we haven't done anything that's thankworthy. We haven't done anything that differentiates us from even the men of the world. But we are to love our enemies, to be perfect, as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. And that's what it says there in Matthew chapter 5. In Psalm 35, I'm going to read to you David's attitude toward his enemies. And it's one of the places in the Bible that's rather thorough in describing David's heart, attitude, words, and actions toward his enemies. We know more about David in these ways than anyone else. We have little snippets from other men's lives, but we have a large body of truth about David. And here we go on David loved even his enemies. Psalm 35, beginning at verse 11. False witnesses did rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. That's bad. That's reason to be upset and to hate somebody in the flesh. And we just heard that you yourself can make a choice as to whether you're going to follow the flesh and the laws of it, of sin, or the law of your mind, and that is to follow God and to obey him and follow the example of David. Now notice in verse 13 we have that inspired disjunctive, but is creating a contrast. Verses 11 and 12 are what they did to me. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. I kept praying. I continued praying. I'd pray once, and it'd come back, and I'd pray again, and I'd pray again. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. 
But in mine adversity they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and ceased not. With hypocritical mockers and feasts, they gnashed upon me with their teeth. So here's an example of David and how he loved even his enemies, like the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, taught us. This is a rather simple thing to do. It's hard in making the choice, but once you make the choice, it's not all that complicated. It's not going to take all that much out of your body or out of your bank account. Can you simply forgive your enemies and love them? Every one of you have personal enemies, someone that is disappointed, offended, irritated, frustrated, hurt you in some way, shape, or form that you can make a choice to forgive and pray for. Because doesn't Matthew 5 tell us, instead of hating your enemies like the flesh wants to do and like the Pharisees drew from the Old Testament, which was not taught there, we are supposed to bless our enemies, pray for them that curse us. Isn't it all taught there? Yes. And do good to them that despitefully use us. David did it a thousand years before his son Jesus Christ taught it. So we have it in both Testaments. And if we want to be like David, if we want to be like the son of David, if we want to be like our Father in heaven, you should read Matthew. I'm going to read it to you. Matthew chapter 5. It's too powerful and potent to not have it read and have you see it. Matthew chapter 5, and it's the last six verses of this chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. This is to be the children of God. This is to be like our Father in heaven. This is to be perfect. This is to be like Jesus. This is to be like David. All of it in one passage, one trait. Loved even his enemies. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. Ye have heard. The Pharisees preached it the wrong way. They preached heresy. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That's what the Pharisees preached. But I say unto you, Contrary to that heretical message, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That, and here's the end, here's what it accomplishes. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Is that how we get adopted? No. Is this how we get born again? No. But this is how we look like and live like and show the character traits of our Father in heaven. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Okay, here we have it. This is not complicated. Who in your flesh do you not like? Who in your flesh has hurt you? Forgive them. Love them. Pray for them. Do something nice for them. You can be like David. You can be like the son of David. You can be perfect. You can finally look like a child of God. Because coming to church doesn't prove you're a child of God. Doing this proves whether you're a child of God. Coming to church is too easy. It doesn't require anything. But loving your enemy requires something. 
This is a trait of David. And David showed it to us in Psalm 35. Look at the way he treated King Saul, who tried to kill him for 15 years of his life. Look at how he treated Abner, the captain of Saul's host, that chased him around at the head of the army. Look at Amasa, the man who took up arms for Absalom against David. David forgave them both and loved them and made a covenant with them immediately. Look at even Shimei, who cursed David. David promised Shimei that he would not kill him. And you say to me, but he told Solomon not to let his whore hairs go down to the grave in peace. That's for Solomon's safety. Because he was a treasonous type man, and Solomon was not a man of war. David wasn't afraid of Shimei at all. But he knew that his son, young son, Solomon, needed the protection. His eulogy of Saul is unparalleled. David's loving words about Saul at his funeral is unparalleled. It's wonderful. It's like the Lord Jesus on the cross of Calvary saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or it's like Stephen being stoned and praying to the Father, lay not this sin to their charge. It's a great example and great detail, and we have several occurrences of it. You say, well, I thought you said it was unparalleled. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Would you please give me the eulogy of Stephen for those that stoned him to death? I have the eulogy of David for Saul. It's, it's just, it's marvelous to read it. It's, it's hard for us to understand it. He's, he's lying about the man. Well, there's a time for a little bit of flattery, and it's a case like this when it's your enemies. Flattery to your friends or flattery to someone to get them to do something for you for your advantage, that's sin in the Bible. But if you want to flatter your enemies a little bit, go ahead and do it. There's no harm in that because there's no benefit accruing to you. You're trying to accrue benefits to your enemies. This is one of the traits of David that we want to have. Who can you forgive and love right now? I've got some. You have some. Who's going to be honest enough to admit it and I myself to choose to forgive them and to pray for them? I have already this morning, and not because of this passage. I have learned that the Word of God is true, not only from a doctrinal, theoretical, conceptual standpoint, but from a practical, experimental standpoint, that one of the greatest things of therapy you can do for your own soul is to pray for your enemies. Lord, help us to do that more. Help us to be like David and the son of David. Let's try to move a little faster today. How's that? We just got through one. It's a huge one. And I hope that you'll remember Psalm 35. If you're still there, I know I turned you to Matthew chapter 5, but you had two verses, 11 and 12, of his enemies and what they did to him. And then you had verses 15 and 16 of his enemies, what they did to him. But sandwiched in between are verses 13 and 14. When they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting. My prayer returned into my own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. Mourning for his mother? This is the, this is the woman that David referred, told the Lord, I am the son of thine handmaid. He had a godly mother. As he mourned for his mother, he mourned and prayed for his enemies? Come on. You believe the word of God? Amen. Let's believe the Word of God and practice it. There's therapy in it, and forget the therapy. 
God delights in a man like this. This is a man after God's own heart because God does the same thing every day with his sunshine and his rain. And David did it. If you want to be after God's own heart, you'll learn to do this. And you win at, at every level except the flesh. And who cares about the flesh? Okay, number 34. Patient when under duress. Patient when under duress. David is going to teach us how to wait on the Lord. And that is to be patient when under duress. He could wait on the Lord and he taught us how to do it. David was anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel when he was about 15 years old. And he had to wait 15 years before he became the king of Judah and then of Israel. That's a long time. Let's be honest. When you're under duress, how long are you willing to wait? And this is the pot calling lots of kettles black. How long are you willing to wait? How patient are you? Lord, teach us some patience to cheerfully endure negative events and to wait upon the Lord because the Lord will deliver. And the Lord did deliver David. And the Lord magnified David. And the Lord gave David a great name among the great men of the earth. The Lord blessed David abundantly, but there sure was a long time getting there. The Lord blessed Joseph, but it was a long time getting there. The Lord blessed Daniel, but it took a while getting there. David was patient when under duress. When you're under duress, you're under stress. You're under fear. You're under danger. And yet he was patient and waited on the Lord. Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is one of the places that we can turn about waiting on the Lord. Psalm 27, the last two verses. He wrote these wise words to wait on the Lord with hope for the future. We don't want to faint. We can be cast down. The Lord will allow us because he allowed Paul and Paul was inspired to write the words in 2 Corinthians 4.9, cast down, but not destroyed. We're destroyed when we're cast down so far that we stop doing our spiritual duties. We quit. You might quit for an hour. You might quit for a day. Oh, I hope you don't quit for a week. But you could quit. And that's being destroyed because you're letting something press you down so hard and overwhelm you that you give up on your spiritual duties. We don't want to be like that. We want to be patient under negative events. We want to cheerfully endure them, which is the real definition of patience in the Bible. Psalm 27, I had fainted. I would have been destroyed. I had fainted, but he didn't because of the word unless that comes next. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I knew that this wasn't it. The Lord had more for me. And so he exhorts us, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The Lord is going to come through for you. The Lord delivered David from all his fears. The Lord delivered David from all his troubles. The Lord delivered David from Saul. The Lord delivered David from Doeg the Edomite. The Lord delivered David from Absalom. The Lord delivered David from the Philistines. The Lord put David on his throne. But it took a while. It took 15 years. 
Now, when you need something and you're under duress and you pray, how long do you keep up your praying and trust in the Lord? 15 minutes? Oh, you're a real man of prayer. 15 days. 15 years. Lord, give us some patience to wait on thee. His timing is always perfect, and his timing for David was perfect. And so we want to be patient under duress. Wait on the Lord. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, because you're under duress. He shall strengthen thine heart. He'll take care of you. Even if he doesn't take the enemy away, he'll give you strength in your heart. Paul prayed three times for that thorn of the devil that affliction in his body to be taken away from him, but the Lord didn't take it away. The Lord just gave him sufficient grace and strength to be able to cheerfully endure it. And so wait in the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. He'll give you more courage if you'll take the first step. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In agreement with what we heard this morning from Romans chapter 7 and Psalm 119. We are not going to be fatalists in this church. We're not even going to get close to them. We're not going to cop out in the Lord and blame him or bless him that he does everything for us. He doesn't do everything for us. He expects us to do some things for him. And once he's shown us his mercy, he expects there to be a reaction from us. That's why Romans 1 through 11, those 11 chapters, are stopped with the word amen. God's part is over. Our part starts. And it's Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I've just given you 11 chapters of the mercies of God. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. He gave the body of his son for you. Now you give your body for him. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. These are imperative verbs. God's not going to do them for you. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's already renewed it as much as you need. You just put on that new mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so when it comes to this patience, we wait in the Lord. We choose to be of good courage. He strengthens us in our inner man with greater strength by the Holy Spirit. According to our obedience, wait, I say, on the Lord. Look at Psalm 62, more about David and his waiting. He had learned 15 years, but all we have to do is read it. Some of you have waited 15 months for a spouse. Oh, you poor thing. You might have to wait 48 months to get your degree. Wait and study. Wait and study and trust the Lord. Psalm 62. Verse 1, truly, my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. I know that he's going to save me. And truly, my soul waiteth upon God. I don't wait upon anyone else. I'm not waiting for the Syrians to join in a confederacy with me. David didn't look to man. David didn't look to the princes of men. He said, don't put your trust in princes. Don't put your trust in men. Put your trust in the Lord. Surely... From him cometh my salvation. Look at verse 5. My soul. Here's, look, who else do we have in the Bible like this that talks to himself? My soul and exhorts himself. Wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. When you are patient, 
it's because you are expecting something that hasn't arrived yet. But God is going to bring it. My expectation is from Him. He will never disappoint the righteous. If your trust is in Him and you know His will is more perfect than yours, He will never disappoint you. Wait upon Him. My expectation is from Him. These are two beautiful verses. Thank you, Lord, for revealing the heart of David, the man after your own heart, to us so that we can have his heart. Psalm 130 in verse 5. Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. If you're hoping, Romans chapter 8 tells us that if you're hoping, then you are waiting for something that you don't have yet. And so David here is waiting, hoping for something he doesn't have yet. Psalm 130 and verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. My soul is not going to get impatient and impulsive and do something crazy. Now, did David have an example of someone who couldn't wait? Saul couldn't wait. 1 Samuel 13. The Philistines come. Samuel tells Saul... You, you go to such and such a place with the army, stay there, I'll be there in seven days, I'll offer a sacrifice, and we'll take care of the Philistines. Oh, oh, my soul can't wait. There, there it is. It's been seven days. Bring me the ox. Let me offer a sacrifice. That is profane, that is impulsive, that is impatient, and it cost him everything. Right. It cost him everything. 1 Samuel 13. Samuel came and said, what in the world have you done? Because guess what? Samuel arrived one minute later. As soon as he had offered that sacrifice, there was Samuel. You have lost the dynasty for your family. You have ruined everything for your family. You could have been the king and the family of Israel forever. It's there in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. There's some verses around verse 14. Lord, teach us to not be like Saul, but to be like David. Number 35, David was a man of daily prayer. Man of daily prayer. Thank you, Lord, for showing us these things. David told us how he thought inside, how he was in his soul, how he spoke to himself. My soul, wait thou upon God. My expectation is from him. Where are your expectations from? We are all going to disappoint you. Let me save you a whole bunch of trouble right now. We're not going to come through for you. We guarantee it. We're not going to come through for you. We're foolish. We're fallible. We're fake. In comparison to God. He'll always come through for you. My expectation is from Him. You'll always be disappointed if you put your expectation, your hope, and what you're waiting for on other people. They're, they're always going to disappoint you. But they can, they can always be sufficient, and they can be more than sufficient when your real trust is in the Lord. Then their little goof-ups and mess-ups and disappointments don't really move you that much because the real foundation for your hope and your faith hasn't been altered at all. I love to remind all of you, and individually or when I'm here, when we have a cloudy day, I want to remind you that just a, a few thousand feet up there, the sun is shining brighter than ever. 
And all you're allowing is uh, your eyes to see a few of these clouds. God hasn't changed. I don't care what event happens in your life. God hasn't changed. Jesus Christ is still in His throne at the right hand of God. The Bible is still true. And you still are a joint heir with an eternal inheritance with God no matter what happens. Do we still believe that? Nothing's changed except the circumstances of our lives and we trust Him. We wouldn't even have life without Him. David was a man of daily prayer. Psalm 55. When, if I were to ask you or ask children that have read their Bible story book or had it read to them, who's the man of prayer in the Bible, they would say another name that starts with D. Daniel was a man of prayer. And we say Daniel was a man of prayer because Daniel chapter 6 tells us that he prayed how many times a day? Three times a day. And when he was threatened with his life about prayer, what, how many times a day did he pray? Three. That's a man of prayer. But let's get this man of prayer. Psalm 55 and verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Evening and morning and at noon. So how many times a day did David say he prayed according to this verse? Three times a day, just like Daniel. Evening and morning and at noon. Those are three nice distinctions. When you get up, when you go to bed, and in the middle of the day, will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. David was a man of prayer. Let's go to Psalm 5 and see that he understood that the morning was a good time. Morning is before your day gets too complicated and filled with activities and distractions. There's value in the morning. Psalm 5 and verse 3, my voice. This is, this is David promising God. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. So when you get up, What's the next thing you ought to do is look up, get up and look up and call upon the Lord in the morning. Will I direct my prayer unto thee? He didn't direct it toward Mecca. He didn't direct it toward Salt Lake City. He didn't direct it toward Rome. He didn't even direct it toward Jerusalem. I'm going to direct it up toward heaven, toward thee. David had more of a New Testament perspective in some places than others in the Old Testament. And that's why there's so many messianic Psalms by him and some references about singing with the understanding rather than just singing with the melody because he understood the importance of worshiping from the heart because he had a heart after the Lord's. He had a life after the Lord's own heart. Lord, teach us these things. Look at Psalm 119. We were there earlier this morning. Let's go there and look at 147. We are trying to learn something right now. We want to know what made David special. Why did God like David so much? Why did he measure other men by David? And we're on our third trait today. He was a man of daily prayer. Psalm 119 and verse 147. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. To prevent the dawning of the morning, does that mean he stopped the calendar and the clocks and the sunrise? No. Or did the word prevent in our King James Bible mean he preceded it? 
I preceded the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. So that means he prayed early. He was up early and praying early. He was a man of prayer. Come back to 2 Samuel and chapter 2. 2 Samuel 2. You say we're turning all over the Bible. The Bible has so much to say about David. I didn't make the choice. I didn't pick David to be the number one character revealed to us in the Bible. God did. He's just led me right now that between John 7 and John 8, we're going to take a practical break and learn about the traits of David and see if we can be more like him. I hope that you're already thinking about number three. You know what? I could pray another time or two a day. I could pray another time or two a day. I could do that. I could be like David. You know what? I'm going to be more patient. I'm an impatient person. I'm going to be more patient and wait upon the Lord. You know what? I'm going to pray for someone that is my enemy. I'm going to pray for them. We can do that. Amen. Then we're like David. If we just sit here and listen, or if we just stand here and preach it, that doesn't prove anything. We need to change by making a conscious choice to change. 2 Samuel 2.1 And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? What is that called? That's called praying. Is that a prayer request? Mm -hmm. Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said, Unto Hebron. I want you to notice the detailed prayers that David had toward the Lord. Now David was a man after God's own heart. Couldn't he make up his own mind? Couldn't David just go wherever he wanted to? And since he was a man after God's own heart, and he had been told he was such a man, shouldn't he just make his own choices? But no, he prayed. If he prayed, guess what you and I ought to do? Right. We should ask the Lord for everything. Now the Lord may not answer you directly like he did David right here, but you have a word of God and you have counselors that can help direct you. And you have the Spirit of God that can help lead you if you are wise and put that spiritual leading in its proper place and measure it the right way. Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Oh, there's references. Psalm 34. Psalm 37. This poor man cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his fears, out of all his troubles. This poor man cried. That's David. That's the king of Israel. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard. This is what we sing. Do you do it to be like David? Psalm 18 and verse 3. I will call upon the Lord. Do we do it? Can we do it more? Can we sneak in it? Lord, forgive me for using the word sneak, but can we sneak in another time or two or three of prayer a day? We can. It's just a choice. Some of you have all these personal devices on your body, these smartphones. Can't they send you little reminders? Ding. Oh, yes. It's, it's time for number two prayer today. I'm going to pray four times a day. Do you have to pray for an hour? Do you have to pray for 10 minutes? Can you pray for one minute? Can you pray for 30 seconds and it count with the Lord? Ding. You have all the devices. Ding. You'd be a whole lot more productive than most of the dings that go off in your pockets. Amen. I can promise you that. 
Psalm 18, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Verse 6, in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled because God came to the rescue of David. David was a man of prayer. He begged God to hear his prayers, which is part of effectual fervent prayer. He loved God for answering his prayers. I'm not going to turn you to other passages that we have on the subject. Let's go to number 36. He knew how to he knew holy reasoning with God. Number 36, holy reasoning with God in prayer. David knew about reasoning with the Lord in prayer. And if we want to be like David, we will pick up on this trait of David. The other man in the Bible that reasoned the most with the Lord in prayer was Moses. But David is like him, and we're studying David right now. David could and would use righteous reasoning with the Lord like Moses had before him. Number 36 is holy reasoning with God. David reasoned with the Lord. David knew God heard his prayers and saved him for his righteousness. You're in Psalm 18. Look at verse 20. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. You say, but David sinned. Yes, David sinned. David repented. David got right back on. David got right back on. How about Saul? Did Saul get right back on? No, he wickedly departed from the Lord. How about Solomon? So we've got David's predecessor. We've got David's successor. And that Solomon, did he get right back on? Did he repent? No, he didn't. He wickedly departed from the Lord. And 1 Kings chapter 11 describes it to us. There's no comparison between those men and David. It doesn't matter that you sin. Every man sins. How do you respond to your sin? Do you repent and get back on and do what you should do? Verse 22, for all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. Saul Saul and Solomon put them away. David just blew it and put them right back on and obeyed them. I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his eyesight. Now note, watch the reasoning. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. David was merciful, and was he shown mercy? Should have been killed. God didn't kill him. God blessed him. God blessed his adulterous woman Bathsheba with a whole pile of sons, including Solomon, whom the Lord named Jedediah because the Lord loved him. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. And that's what Saul got. But notice the reasoning. He's telling the Lord, with the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. That's in the second person. David's talking to the Lord. I know this about you. And so I'm merciful. And I'm pure. And I'm upright. This is reasoning with the Lord in prayer. Look at Psalm 26. A few pages away. Psalm 26. Judge me, O Lord. We'll have occasion to use this one for another point, as you can imagine. 
just hearing those words, we heard this recently out of this pulpit by someone else. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. Wow. I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. And we could just keep right on reading that he is, not diff he is different from other men. Look what he says in verse 9. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, because he goes on and describes them as being different than himself. He's reasoning with the Lord in prayer. I have lived a life of integrity toward thy word. Have mercy upon me. Amen. Look at Psalm 7. Psalm 7. Holy reasoning with God in prayer. This is not self-righteousness. This is admitting your practical righteousness before God and your commitment to Him, past, present, and future. Psalm 7. O Lord my God, in Thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest He tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. Let's just stop right there. Does this take us back to number 33? Loving his enemies? And then he uses number 33 in number 36 because he reasons with the Lord about loving his enemies. If there's something wrong with me, Lord, then show it to me then I deserve this. But I have not treated them the way they're treating me. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust. If I'm as bad as they're making me out to be and all the accusations they're laying against me, then let them crush me. But see, he knew better. You, you only want to make a prayer like this if you've been living rightly before the Lord. If you haven't, then he'll just fulfill you. He'll give you the answer to your petition and lay you in the dust and let them trample over you. But notice how David's reasoning, and we're, we've learned it today by God's providential arrangement of these points for this particular sermon. Look at Psalm 6. Back to Psalm 6. Here's one of David's common ways of reasoning. Lord, my life is at risk. But if you let my life be taken, I won't be able to praise you. Who else used that in the Bible and got 15 years added in the sundial of Ahaz? Hezekiah got it, and it was the sundial of Ahaz. Two things. Hezekiah told the Lord, I'll be able to praise you, and I'll be able to teach my children. I'll be able to teach my children, my children's children, 15 more years if you'll let my life continue. Hezekiah was only 39 years old. He got 15 years, and we celebrate that 15 years. He died at 54. Okay, here we go. David reasoned the same way. Verse 4, Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? And the point we want to get right here is reasoning in prayer. David not only was a man of daily prayer, but he reasoned with the Lord in prayer, 
And you, you, you may look at a verse like this and think, really? This is inspired. This is inspired from God. God accepts a prayer request like this, and God calls a man that prays like this, the man after my own heart. You say, it, it sounds just kind of weak. It sounds kind of temporal. It sounds kind of earthly. Yes, isn't that wonderful? I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of heaven. Does it say that? No, no in the land of the living. Right. Down here. Down here. Oh, I'm going to get to that in just a few minutes about David's hope for this life. You're not less spiritual for hoping in this life. You've just got a proper balance. The Apostle Paul said it's far better in heaven than on earth, and Paul had been there. And Paul didn't have much of a life on earth. Do you want to talk about Paul's life on earth? Let's talk about his wife. Let's talk about his job, Paul's job. Is it something you'd want to stay on earth for? Bye-bye. Let's get out of here today. But not David. David was dead. Keep things in balance when you read the Bible. We want both, and the Lord wants us to have both. If the Lord wanted us in heaven, guess what? You'd have been conceived and taken to heaven. You'd have been a miscarriage. But you weren't, because the Lord gave you a life here. And we want to live it as well as we can. Holy reasoning with the Lord, we have this example, and I could turn you to others, but I'm not going to. Look at Psalm 58. Psalm 58. This is holy reasoning with God. This is not sacrilegious. This isn't blasphemous. This isn't irreverent or disrespectful to God. He wants us to reason with him. He's the one that says he's our father. He's the one that says, like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. He wants us to come boldly. He tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain help and find grace to help in time of need. Psalm 58 here David is reasoning that God better judge the wicked to encourage the righteous. And I start at verse 6. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. And he's not talking about animals. He's talking about men that were like animals, his enemies. Let them melt away as waters which run continually. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces. As a snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away, like the untimely birth of a woman, that they may not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily. He is a God that judgeth in the earth. Truth can be taught by God judging the wicked, and David used it in prayer. Holy reasoning with God. Psalm 86. Psalm 86. Who asked in the Bible the most times whether God was asleep or not? David did. David asked God over and over, are you sleeping? When are you going to wake up? You say, it sounds disrespectful. That's how David waited on the Lord. You say, that sounds like impatient waiting. No, it's patient 
waiting on the Lord with holy reasoning and prayer. Because the Lord had told David in Psalm 121 that the Lord does not slumber. <laughs> when the Lord tells you something in the Bible, you should remind him of it. He's always going to honor his word. There's a reason David was after God's own heart. Right. He knew what God had said, and he used it against the Lord. And I use I, I used that word against wisely and carefully. Right. In holy reasoning. I love this one, and we have learned this one so well that we use the expression in it over and over. Psalm 86 and verse 17. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast hope in me and comforted me. We use the expression many times in our praying, show me a token for good. Or, when we get one, thank you, Lord, for showing me a token for good. And David reasons, there's two reasons why I would like a token for good, Lord. Show me a token for good first, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because thou, Lord, hast hope in me and comforted me. Show me some comfort. Show me some help so that my enemies will see it and be ashamed that they ever picked on me or thought that you had forsaken me. Show me that token for good. Let me have the help and let me have the comfort and let them see it. All I need is a little token. I don't need the world turned upside down. Could you just show me a little bit? And when you're looking for a job and the Lord gives you an interview, that is a token for good. When you're in a course of 16 weeks long and you get an A on your midterm, that's a token for good. But you want to thank the Lord for those tokens. And this is reasoning in prayer, and David did it. Number 37, hope in present life. Hope in present life. David wasn't just looking for heaven. David was looking for God's blessing on him in this life. God chose for us to have this life. God chose for the average number of years to be 70. David lived to be 70. David didn't complain about that. The Bible, in fact, tells us that David died full of days in a good old age at 70. And he was productive right to the end though he couldn't keep his own body heat because his body was so weak, and yet he could consciously make choices about that temple and what ought to be done with Solomon, and he made those choices right to the very end. Hope in present life. I'm going to go back to a verse that I've read to you already. It won't hurt you because Psalm 27 is about as good as it gets in the book of Psalms. Psalm 27, you want 14 verses to memorize this next week? It's only two verses a day, and there are 14 wonderful verses. Psalm 27. Some of you have already memorized it. That way you can have an easy week. Psalm 27. Verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If we only had hope, if we only had hope of eternal life, sometimes we would be discouraged about this life. But David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord here and now on earth in the land of the living. And he went on to say, wait on the Lord. Hope in present life. Let's look at Psalm 130. Psalm 130. 
David did not fret against the Lord or envy the wicked. He trusted the Lord for this life as well. Verse 5 of Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. If you, if you had the last guard duty from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., do you know what you'd be looking for? Daybreak. You would be looking for daybreak where enemy soldiers could not sneak up upon you. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. God will have mercy, and he'll have mercy in this life as well as in the next life. He had hope in the present life. David told the Lord that he was waiting on him for whatever the Lord might bring his way. Look at Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Psalm 37 and Psalm 34 are filled with verses like this. And trust in the Lord for this life. Starting at verse 1 of Psalm 25, let me read a few verses. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. He's talking about something here and now in this world. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let all my brethren be defended. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. David trusted the Lord all day for his life now. For the Lord to show him his ways now. There's going to be perfect glorification in heaven and we'll know all the ways. But we want them now so that we can live a pleasing life for the Lord here and now before we get there and he glorifies us. Here we can give him something. Once you're glorified, you're not giving him as much as what you give him in obedience when you're not glorified. Psalm 56. David prayed to stay in this life to praise the Lord. Now some of these overlap just a little tiny bit. When we talk about David reasoning with the Lord about keep me alive so that I can praise thee, you should see past the holy reasoning in the Lord to this point as well. Oh, he's praying about this life. He's thinking about this life. He could be in heaven praising God, and we make reference to that, but we're not there yet. When the Lord wants us in heaven praising him, do you know what he's going to do? You're going to die. Until you die, do you know what you are? You're alive. And while you're alive, let's praise him here. Let's not talk about praising him there. Let's praise him here and now. Psalm 56 and verse 13, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Not in the darkness of the dead, but in the light of the living. Didn't he write of blessings in this world for the righteous? Look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Psalm 103, that's verse 1. Now verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Verse 3. Who's laid, who's laid main street with gold and pearls in heaven above, 
No, he's praying about now and God's blessing. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, that takes a corrupt body, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. There is David thanking God, blessing God, praising God for things he's enjoying right now in the land of the living. David was not over much spiritual. Can you be too spiritual? Yes, when you think that you're a monk or a nun and that all that matters is heaven. What about right now? David wasn't like a monk or a nun. David, it, David took advantage of this life. You know, to be a monk or a nun, you have to take a vow of chastity and a vow of poverty. You can't have a spouse, so you can't have sexual pleasure. You can't have assets to have financial or economic pleasure. You can't have anything. That's Roman Catholic torture. But the Bible isn't like that. The Bible's full of goodness. The Bible tells us to take 10% of our income and spend it for whatsoever thy soul lusteth after under the Old Testament where God was cruel. I speak as a fool. I speak as a fool. Look at this. Where we were just at, Psalm 103. But let's look at 128. Look at Psalm 128. And we'll close with this. We tried to go faster. I tried to go faster. Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, for he is a joint heir of Jesus Christ of the eternal kingdom. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt go to heaven when you die. I am doing this to make you think that all our thoughts are not as good as God's word. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Where does that take place? Here and now in the land of the living. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy, all the days of thy, all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. You know, we've had someone enter our congregation today that has more grandchildren than any of us. Just keep that in mind. We have some visitors today that have more grandchildren. Because look what it says. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children in peace upon Israel. This is now. And so David understood that. Did David understand about heaven? That's when we come back. Oh, yes. Did David have hope in a future life? Oh, yes. Did David understand the resurrection of the dead? Oh, yes. Did David understand that there were pleasures forevermore at God's right hand? Oh, yes. But he had the balance of the two. And right now, the fact that you are alive is because God wants you to enjoy and be happy. Does it say be happy? In the land of the living. Lord, help us to be so. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Here's what we've covered, and you have it on your paper in front of you, so now you are held more responsible than if I hadn't done that for you. Loved even his enemies. Number 33. David loved his enemies. We can do that. That is scriptural in both testaments. 
Patient when under duress. Number 34. We can do that. We can wait on the Lord. Wait, my soul, on the Lord. My expectation is only from Him. Number 35. David was a man of daily prayer. Can you tell your smartphone to remind you a time or two extra a day to pray for one minute or less? Give him one minute of praise and prayer. Be a man of daily prayer and a woman, a a youth of daily prayer. Start it now. Make it a habit that you have for the rest of your life. Number 36, holy reasoning with God. David reasoned with God in prayer. You can bring verses to bear with the Lord. You can read verses to him from the Bible. He will not be offended at you using a book in front of him. Do you remember? Who in the Bible laid a letter before God for his prayer? Hezekiah did. This letter is inspired. That letter wasn't. Do you think God will accept an inspired letter? Yes. Pray a psalm. Pray it to the Lord. Reason with the Lord in prayer and hope in your present life. Don't faint in this present life. The Lord has arranged for things to be good for you and for you to enjoy it. If you have a little bit of trouble right now, then back up and wait on the Lord. It all works together if we'll have the character of David. May the Lord bless us by his spirit and by his word to have more of the character of David.